Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review. Hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. Greening Law is a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, and they fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doug? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 314, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we hope to dazzle and entertain you throughout the course of this version of the podcast. A lot to get into, some Cowboys thoughts, some Dak thoughts. We'll take a trip around the block. Some other news and notes that are happening around the sports world. And of course, our ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter Todd Archer will join us. But before we jump into anything, have you had to call Robert Greening yet? And I know a few of you that listen did make the call to Greening Law because I was talking to Robert just last week and he said that a couple of our podcast listeners have had cases that they took on and they reached quite nice settlements in their cases. So, yes, they did indeed. And so if that is you and I'm still working through mine and I got to tell you, mine is an interesting one. And there's so many things like I told him on the phone the other day is like, all right. I said, look, I have no idea how any of this works, what the process is. And he goes, that's we got you. Here's where our next step is. And this is what we got to try to do. And we do this and this. And so. It's a very straightforward when you talk to him, you know, they're not hiding anything from you. They lay it all out. They're building the case and they handle all that stuff behind the scenes so that you can focus on getting back to who you were before the accident that you had. Well, you know, the reason I say that if you're ever involved in an accident, the reason why you need to call the green team is simple. You want somebody to help you through the process. I mean, Matt's told you've been working on this thing for a year. It's a tedious, kind of complicated can be lonely process sometimes so you want somebody there fighting for you somebody holding your hand somebody telling you which way to turn which way to walk somebody telling you hey i know that this is unexpected but now you know so expect it and that's why the green team is a place that you need to call if you're ever involved in an accident like matt was 972-934-8900 the consultation is free it costs you absolutely nothing to call them and they only get paid if you get compensated 972-934-8900 it's robert greening call him now offices dallas texas in dallas texas is where we find these six and three cowboys now we've had a couple of days to process what we saw against green bay and again 
You know, I always enjoy, for the most part, the interaction. Those of you that message us on our Instagram at Jam Session Cast, those of you that are tweeting at us or sending us messages on Twitter, which you can find Jacques at, at JJT underscore journalist. You can find me at McMatt Radio. But we got a lot of it, and I'm sure you did as well, because I know I got a few messages of, well, this is what Dak was doing. This is on Dak. Dak is not any good. Dak can't throw these types of passes. And then I'll say, okay, I just disagree with you to a certain extent. And then a couple of people did this, and, and it's not directed specifically at one individual because there was more than one person, but they'll go and they'll find like what David Hellman says or what Bob Sturm says. And then they right. copy tweet that to me. And look, guys, I don't give a shit what David Hellman or Bob Sturm say. Just like them, I am giving you my opinion based on how I see things. So the fact that like David Hellman says something or Bob Sturm says something doesn't change my thought belief. And they don't give a shit what Matt says. Exactly. Right? And I don't know why they would. <laughs> and so, you know, talking about this, the reality of it is this. Dak Prescott has to play better. Bottom line. Bottom line, Dak has to be better. He's getting paid $40 million a year to do stuff for this franchise that they haven't done since 1995. And so far, to this point, he has failed in that pursuit. Well, here's the deal, man. I'm going to take it just a little bit step further and a little different thing. I'm, I'm not sitting here having a referendum on Dak every week because two weeks ago, he played terrific. I mean, he played great. I mean, he played good. You know, he was 21 of 28, whatever he was. I mean, but he played much better. And he played good the week before then. Now, he didn't play good yesterday, but he looked out of sync from the start. Uh, but I think he's a quality quarterback. And because he's a quality quarterback, I don't ride up and down with, oh, Dak sucks. Oh, no, Dak's great. No, Dak sucks. No, Dak's great. Like some of y'all do. He's a good NFL quarterback who's playing poorly right now or who's playing inconsistently right now and needs to play better. And it'll be what it'll be, because if he doesn't play better uh, overall by the end of the year, then, you know, number one, it's going to be an even more disappointing season than y'all think. And number two, and, and we're ways off from this, though, but number two, you have to think long and hard about whether you want to re-sign him to, a, you know, because I'm not signing you to a $48 million deal over yeah. four years with, with slightly above average play. Right. It, and, and he would know that. I mean, you, you, you simply have to be better. That's just reality of it. And, you know, Doug, I tweeted this out early because the game to me, I saw it very early. I saw them getting pushed around on the offensive line very early. And I saw Dak throwing these weird looking passes very early. So they just looked out of whack from the start to me. And so this is a challenge this week. And uh, they've been talked about all week. They've been criticized. They've been um, sliced up. And so you'll get a good effort from them if, if there's one to give, and I think that there is. And so you'll get a good effort from them this week, and you'll have a much better view of who they are and what they are. Right, and, and it, you know, it goes back to those two interceptions that he threw the other day, and, and multiple people like, oh, that's totally on Dak. You can't say it was the receivers. Okay, well, I never played in the NFL, and I'm not an NFL affiliate, much like all of you that are tweeting at me are not. I thought it was interesting when it immediately happened that a dude who played in the NFL for years, Greg Olson, who was on the call, immediately said, oh, that's on CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz and explained what they were supposed to do there. Now, I will say I understand the argument of, well, he shouldn't have been so aggressive. 
Like Dak should have recognized, okay, there's too many green jerseys in this area where these two routes are taking me. I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm going to throw it out of the back of the end zone or what have you. The reality of it is you can question, should he have made that pass? But I thought it was interesting because Mike McCarthy, who broke down both of Dak's interceptions, and you can believe McCarthy or not, he said the second one was on CD. He basically talked about how the first one was actually on CD. And well, you know what? Let me let Mike McCarthy say what he needs to say, and then we can see who we believe. No, I saw it like Dak saw it. Yeah, yeah. You know, based on the day, you know, depth of the defender, you know, it's you know, it doesn't matter if it's a nickel, the strong safety, or it could be the defensive lineman lined up back here, fifteen, twenty yards. When there's someone in the middle of the field, there, there's, you know, that's a closed safety look. So I think when you look at the play, in fairness to. To Dalton and, and you know CD, that it's a concept that you know we we've been running you know a lot a little deeper, so and we were kind of right on the fringe of where you want to run that because you know schematically that's a we got exactly what we we're looking for you know we had you know we we're trying to you know obviously had the inside leverage of the linebacker and you're, you're trying to get the first Dalton the first guy up on the safety and then CD comes right off a of, right off of Dalton so you know so with Dalton getting inside of that safety. And then CD's got to be a lot tighter there, but uh, you know that that's a lot tighter window to, to throw in. So, um, and that's where you know at the quarterback position, you, you have to throw that with anticipation. You can't, I mean, you can't wait for it to clear to throw it because then the amount of backsides involved. So, um, and that's a trust throw. It's an anticipation throw, like most shot plays are into the end zone. So, I mean, coverage scheme and so forth are. Um, I mean, if you if you put it on the chalkboard, you know, it's it's a win, but it definitely wasn't, you know, as far as the spacing. So I, I actually thought that was fairly explanatory from Mike McCarthy there. And that, that last little bit he was talking about the first pick, the, the, what you heard him talking about the at the very beginning of that clip was him talking about the second pick because Babe Loffenberg asked him a question. It was like, you know, I kind of saw it like this and it was this and this. Is that what you saw? And it, it, do you see what Dak sees? And McCarthy went on like, oh, yeah, yeah. I saw what Dak said. And he's like, I don't know. And he, he like said these terms and he was like, is that what you guys called it, Babe? And you know what you're looking for there. And again, it's interesting because in situations like this, it's so easy to sit here and say, oh, well, Dak sucks and that's a bad throw. And you don't have to believe McCarthy. You don't have to believe the guys in the NFL and the guys that played in the NFL. You can believe the random reporters who do opinions for a living. That's fine. <laughs> no, I mean, for real, like if that's who you want because they side with your side of the argument, then that's that's cool. And, and you can sit here and say, well, McCarthy's just protecting his quarterback. He wouldn't throw him under the bus. Fine. You know, I, I believe his breakdown of that, which was essentially the exact same breakdown that Greg Olson gave on the broadcast. <laughs> well, I mean, in that situation, Doug, I think you can go with Greg Olson and his 27 years of playing experience as a tight end in the National Football League, who's actually all pro and pro bowler several times over. Um, but, you know, man, I, I think the bigger issue is, and we've talked about it, is he's got to play better. They've got to help him play better. And this is not – this is a bad – I don't want to call it a bad offense, but it's a shady offense. It's not an offense you can look at and, and have any idea what you're really going to going to get on a regular basis. And so until they get a little more consistency on offense, man, even though they scored 28 points, it's uh, – I don't know. They're just a shady unit to me. Well, and this goes back, I think, because the, the one argument I will buy into is about Dak Prescott – is the idea and we talked about this in the preseason and I can't remember the exact quote from Jerry I probably have the audio somewhere I should have remembered this earlier but 
he was talking about how Dak is going to have to make some of those throws and is going to have to put the ball. And I can't remember exactly what he was talking about, but I had the idea with the tight window. And when you hear McCarthy talk about, hey, that's that's going to be one of those throws that's in a tight window, but it's a trust throw because you've got to put the ball in a specific spot, basically, and trust that your guy is going to do everything on his end correctly. Because if not, and there's any broken trust at all in that play, well, we see what happens. You throw a pick in the end zone. And it was interesting because we commented on it at the time in the offseason going, Dak has never been that quarterback. Dak has never been a tight window throwing quarterback. And that is what they asked him to do coming into the season. And now we are seeing some of the results of that. Dude, he's never been. And people misunderstand it. He's never been the kind of guy who elevates an offense with his arm talent. Right. Okay, well, check this out. Ain't but a handful of cats who do that. And most of them are headed to the Hall of Fame. Like, you know, Jared Sandler, my homeboy, uh, does the Rangers broadcast with Eric Nadell. Um, He's on Twitter the other day saying Dak is not an elite quarterback. He's And I was like, who said Dak was an elite quarterback? Who Whoever said that? Nobody's ever said that, bro. Most people have always had him between 8 and 10 in the league. And he's probably still there. Maybe he's closer to 10 now than 8, but it's still the same kinds of guys right there. So he's certainly capable to do what he needs to be done. He just needs to play better. And until he does, this offense is going to be shady. But he ain't never been the kind of cat who's like, hey, follow my arm talent and watch us win games. He wins games with leadership and good decision-making and guys want to play for him and he puts the ball in the right spots and all these other things. But he ain't never been the kind of guy who was just, oh, yeah, follow my arm. Tony Romo was more that kind of guy. And, yeah, you remind me, Matt. Name all the stuff you want. Uh, none, actually, as I recall. No. I, 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 I do believe, me. and you can correct me because you've been covering them longer than I have, I do believe Romo was not here when they went to their last NFC championship game. Uh, hold up, let me check uh, pro football reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. And, and Romo was a terrific quarterback. Yeah, he was, he was. I mean, terrific. Um, in the Hall of Very Good. But, you know, so you just keep it all in perspective, man. It's hard to win, but we know this quarterback's got to play better. Yeah, he does. Much, and and much, you know what? Better. There's going to be plays like that again. And part of, the, part of this is, is to blame because they took they took away an elite-level route runner in Amari Cooper for no reason and got rid of him and put this stuff on a quarterback who is not Patrick Mahomes, who is not Josh Allen, who is not Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Name any of the – he's not Justin Herbert. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not one of those guys. He isn't. Can you win yeah. with a quarterback like that? You can, but you have to put more around a quarterback like that, and the Cowboys took it away. Now, Matt, you need to say that again louder for people like that. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what you need to do. Well, and, and that's the reality of where we're at with this. And so you can say, oh, Dak's never going to get it done. He very well may not. And I, I will say this. With the offense that they put out around him and taking away those pieces, you're right. He's not going to get it done. He needs more. He needs more. He needs another wide receiver of that Uh, caliber of an Amari Cooper who runs routes that precise. Check this out, Doug. Somebody today, who was that I was reading somewhere? Or I was listening some. I'm sorry. I listened to so much stuff. I can't remember. They're like, would you take Dak Prescott or Tua right now? And I'm like, are you going to give Dak Cheetah? and Waddle, and the tight end, and the other receivers the Dolphins got? Well, if you're going to do that, give me Dak. If you're not, give me Tua. 
Yeah, I mean, if, if you're putting those pieces, like if it's just you're trading Tua and Dak and Dak is in Miami, hell yeah, man. I Are you kidding me? Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, I, I'd take both of them over C.D. Lamb. Why do you think Tua's playing a lot better this year? I don't know. Is it oh. because they made a big trade to go get a, a guy like a Tyree Kill or because they drafted a Jalen Waddle high in the draft the same year they got him? I mean, you tell me. Bro, sometimes that ain't rocket science, man. And, you know, don't forget to tight end Gasecki. Yeah, Mike Gasecki. Has been good for two or three years. I think he's out of Penn State. He is. Um, he's He's been good, and now he's even better. Why? Because you got threats on the outside. You can't, you can't. You don't have enough guys to pay attention to him so he can do his thing. It, it ain't complicated, bro. It's not. And so Cheetah was the best wide receiver in the league, or top three, however you want to couch it. Waddle was a high first-round pick, and Gasecki, I think, was a high second-round pick. He was, so, yes. That that's that's what they surrounded him with, okay? And guess what? He was a top five quarterback, and now he's playing like one. Yeah, I mean, reality of it is, you draft Tua, and then what do you do the very next year with the? I think I think he was sixth overall. You went out and you got Jalen Waddle, and then of course you made the trade for a Tyreek Hill. They've done some other trades to boost up their offensive pieces as well, and not that they're using them a lot. And maybe it didn't turn out. They went out and invested way over on Cedric Wilson, trying to buy even some more speed in free agency. They went out and tried to get as many young weapons as possible to put around their young quarterback. Now, again, and this is, I guess this is where my disconnect is with those of you who don't seem to understand and, and are putting everything on Dak. I, I, I don't understand why there's not more blame for the front office and not, re- like, like, you guys are all, like, you tweet it, well, Dak's not that good. Jacques and I have never one time said Dak is an elite quarterback, as Jacques just pointed out. Yet you get these tweets, you're like, oh, I told you. I, you told me what? You told me that the front office fucked up and that they needed to go out and get more help for this quarterback and that we pointed that out? I mean, what, what is it that we're being told here? You're not going to win with Dak because you took pieces away from him that he needs to be able to be good. Dude, and then they're all shocked that he's not. Exactly. That's the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and we, we say it doesn't seem that hard. Apparently it is. You know, they do not have the pieces on offense because they don't have an elite quarterback. And we've seen non-elite quarterbacks win in this league because they had the pieces on offense. Right. You want one or the other. If you don't have an elite quarterback, then you got to put better pieces around him, and you can win that way. We've seen it. If you do have an elite quarterback, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, you can put lesser weapons around him because he will elevate them, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but as Aaron Rodgers gets older and decreases, guess what happens? you got to put better weapons around him because he's no longer able to elevate them the way he did before. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why they went out and got Christian Watson in the second round this year is because he's a burner. Like that dude, they were talking about it on the broadcast. Oh, he's the fastest guy on the team. They wanted to go get a speed guy for Aaron Rodgers. He's just a rookie who needs to take some time to learn how to develop. I mean, that's that's part of this thing, you know, and you you look at this and we've seen this happen. I don't know anybody who thinks Jimmy G is an elite level quarterback or Jared Goff is an elite or Nick Foles is an elite quarterback. And and those are three quarterbacks who got their teams to the Super Bowl. And and obviously Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. It it is possible to do. You got to be good in other places or you got to have a lot of weapons around that guy. And if you're not going to do that, then all of you who are tweeting are right. And I do agree with you. They are not going to win with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think it's all that complicated. I think some of y'all make it complicated. But these same people we never heard from a couple of weeks ago when, like I said, he was 21 out of 25 for 200 yards and three touchdowns or whatever right. it was. Well, which that's is, the way it which goes. Is, 
which is typical. So I, I, I'm not surprised. I'm just like, you know, it is what it is. When he plays poorly, he's going to hear about it. And uh, he played poorly the other day. He did. He did play poorly, and he's got to play better. And if he can't play better, the Cowboys don't have the pieces around him where it's going to work. And they're going to fail. Period. Point blank. End of sentence. Welcome to it. Welcome to, I, I will tell you this, if you, if you go out and you order your Bruce Biltong at BruceBiltong.com online, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, you won't fail. You'll be elated because if you are a fan of beef jerky, Biltong is the name of the meat. It's a 100% air-dried South African tradition. And Brews is the brand. And it's our guy, Steve Isaacs, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. He started this company in his garage. He was a rocket scientist who left his job working for SpaceX to start a company during the pandemic because he is passionate about this biltong because he's originally from South Africa. You and I both tried it. And the first time I had it, I was like, okay, well, so much for ever eating beef jerky again, because this is awesome. Oh, the biltong, it's fantastic. That's my South African ex. Especially, you know, the sliced biltong. Mm. <laughs> I like I liked, no, your, I liked your South African accent, though. <laughs> oh, the, you, you sounded like a, a weird <laughs> off Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> oh, the biltong is fantastic, please. <laughs> yes. Hey, all y'all need to know, sliced biltong, eat that shit. It's delicious. It, <laughs> it's 230 calories in a two-ounce pouch. And it gives you guns like me, your boy. There. That's what I said. Eat it before I kick your ass. God, can you imagine? I love both of those for different packaging <laughs> labels for Bruce Biltong. Bruce Biltong, eat this shit. And then the other one, Bruce Biltong, eat it or I'll kick your ass. Either way, you'll thank me later because Bruce Biltong is delicious. Whether it's the slice like me and Matt like to get down, or that slab is moving up the uh, moving up the favors list, bro. Yeah, that's good. It is really, really good because then you can kind of slice it however you want it to be and, and eat as much as you want. It is fantastic. It's super healthy for you as well. It's very lean, high in protein. It's Bruce Biltong. So check it out online at bruisebiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. That's JAM15, J-A-M-1-5, and you get 15% off your order at Bruce Biltong. Also brought to you by Freeway Tire Shop, of course, as Jacques knows better than anybody, JR, his guys, his crew at Freeway Tire Shop, they will take care of you, and you can trust the work that they're doing to you because they stand behind what they're doing to your vehicles. Think about JR, man. It's like uh, it's like a doctor for your car. I mean, that's kind of what he is. And the reason why I rock with him for all these years is I trust him because, one, you can trust him to diagnose what's wrong with your car. That's the most important thing. You take it over there, you see what's wrong with it, boom, you get an answer. Next, he asks you, hey, what kind of parts you want? What? What do you mean? You want these parts? They last a little longer, cost a little more. You want these parts? They cost a little less, last a little less. Dude, I got options. Hey, it's, it's JR, man. He, he caters to the client. Then you trust him to charge you a fair price, which we all know mechanics don't always do. And then I trust him to stand behind his work, man. I don't know what, it, what, what more you can ask for from a mechanic. Uh, so that's why I say do what it takes to drive five miles north of downtown, right off of 35 in Commonwealth, and have JR work on your ride. You can thank me later. No worries. It's the way to do it. You can find out more information online. You can schedule an appointment. You can request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. So let's take a trip around the block. There's a couple of things I wanted to throw out for you. First off, and I had a couple of you on Twitter 
who said, man, have you guys seen this yet? And I did. I watched this at least a week ago. It is phenomenal. And that is a movie on Netflix, All Quiet on the Western Front. Have you had a chance to see this, perhaps? Have I you tried? Oh, you couldn't do it? What? I tried. I tried hard, man. Uh, but I'm gonna try again because I was multitasking while I was doing it. But I got through. I mean, I got I got through the first part where they're all where they where they sneakily drop the label so you don't know it's a dead man's clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to there and I got to some battle and I, where somebody hit somebody with an axe in the shoulder. But then I was just like, ah, I can't do it. I wanted to do it. It's moving a little too slow for your boy. So I'm going to try again when I'm not multitasking and see if I can if I can make it happen. Yeah, because it's if you're multitasking, it'd be hard because of the subtitles. Yes, I don't think I had subtitles. Oh, you must have had it switched to where was it? Any, did you hear it in English then? I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. No wonder. I mean, that, that's dubbed over then. Yeah, you oh. should just try watching it with the subtitles because, I mean, I got to tell you, this this movie is phenomenal. I mean, it is, I thought within the first 10 minutes, it already has won the best, uh, it's won the award for best cinematography. I thought it was beautiful. The story was insane. You know, we don't see a lot of World War I movies. There's a ton of World War II movies. Now, that's a good point. But you don't see a lot of the World War I movies with the, what was originally known as the Great War that was a trench warfare movie. And this movie, All Quiet on the Western Front, it's based on a book that was written in the late 20s by a veteran of World War One and his experience in the war. And I mean, my God, it's just riveting. I, I thought it was riveting. And you're right, it, I, I can see that it would be slow at times. But they kind of intersperse the boring, monotonous, really intense life of trench warfare and then they go back to what was going on on, you know, with the higher ups who are trying to negotiate peace because Germany and their side was starting to realize we're just getting our ass kicked. This is never going to end. And millions of guys are losing their lives every day. Now, that to me is the wild part. While all these people are saying, so what do you think should, you know, what do you think about the negotiation here? What do you think about this? What do you think about yeah. that? Other guys are just getting bayoneted to death. They're dying by the by the hundreds of thousands and. You know, it's just lives lost, bro. Yeah, man. I mean, trench warfare was one of those things where they're within a few hundred feet of each other. You know, here's a giant trench. Here's a giant trench. Okay, well, we're going to go and try to take this trench. And then they would run and they'd basically just get mowed down. And if you happen to get into the trenches, it became hand-to-hand combat and just made the last man win type thing. I mean, it's damn near the revolutionary war stuff. It is. You know and, and, and this one, and I will say, this is a very graphic movie. I mean, there are they used flamethrowers in world war one and they used flamethrowers in the trenches. And there are scenes where guys get their heads run over by tanks. I mean, it is, it's extremely graphic and realistic battle scenes. These are probably the most realistic battle scenes I've, I've seen since saving private Ryan with the beaches of Normandy. Don't you wonder how, how long it took to choreograph those? I mean, my God, man, this, this is a piece of art for filmmaking and, and it's gotten a lot of Oscar buzz there's a lot of thought that this might be the best picture of the year that and it, it, it's a German film. I mean, it's in German. It's all German actors. They speak German the whole time and there's subtitles and whatnot. But God, it was intense. I mean, it was re- the, the end of it was really, really, I thought just, man, it was just intense. 
all right, you've talked me into it. I'll give it another whirl. And it's just, I mean, again, to your point, there, it, a lot of the times I think with war, like actual real war, when they're not in the middle of a battle, that life is really boring. Yeah, I could get that. I dig that because the other part is so intense. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you're seeing kind of how they passed that time and what the war did to them and, and how they kind of navigated those times in between when they were having these battles and wondering when the war was going to end and all that type of thing. So you really get all of it. I thought it was a really interesting World War One portrayal. And of course, you know, a couple of years ago, 1917 was released and it was nominated for Best Picture. That was a World War One movie that was really well done. But this is better. This is better than 1917. I'm, this is a really damn good movie. Okay. I'll give it another whirl. So have that for yourself and maybe you'll enjoy it. <laughs> also, other than that, yeah, because we watched that and then we started Handmaid's Tale season five, the new season of that that came out in September. You know, this is what we started doing because they did this with Yellowstone. Yellowstone's new season started the other night. But you know how they all do it now. Some of these services, it's they do two episodes a week or they'll do two episodes one week and then one episode a week after that. So they're like, right. well, screw that. We'll just wait until November when the season's over so we can binge the whole damn thing. Hey, man, do what works for you. That's what I always recommend. Yeah, just so let it add up. That's what I would do. You're not going to tell me and dictate to me how I have to consume this stuff that you're selling me. Yeah, because I, I don't I'm not one of those people. Oh, the new season came out. Well, wow, we got we got to watch it right now. I'll just let it add up and watch something else because there's a gazillion shows out there to watch. And then that way, if I want to watch three episodes in one day, I can. If I only want to watch one, I can do that as well. But I get to pick and choose. And yeah. Netflix ruined it for us. You know, Netflix was the king of the binge. And now the services that don't offer the binge, you just sit there and go, well, I'll, I'll just wait. I'll, I'll wait until all the episodes come out and, and navigate it how I want to. No, that's that's uh, that's how I do it when I when I dip over to other places if if that's the only option I have because I don't I like to watch them how I like to watch them I don't like you telling me how to watch them. So my other thing, did you ever get into Peaky Blinders? Nah, the, the period thing just messed me up. Okay, yeah, and because I heard because Nick was telling me it's phenomenal, and then my brother Chris was like, oh, he's like, yeah, I still haven't seen the the last season of Peaky Blinders, and I was like, is that any good? He goes, well, you don't watch Peaky Blinders? It's awesome. And I was like, okay. Now, everybody says it's good, but, the, you know, I don't know. The time period just messed me up. I, and I, and I think I tried it one time a while back, and it ended up being where I had a hard time understanding them. Yeah. Because of their accent, because they're in Liverpool, as you might imagine. And so it's a right. really intense. Cockney hard, accent. Yeah, hard to understand at times. And so... I don't know, but I, I've had enough people who are bringing it up lately where I feel like I've got to try and dive back into it. And apparently all the seasons are only six episodes long. Well, a lot of people said it was fantastic now. So, I mean, I, I get it. So, you know, no shade if you want to check it out. Yeah. Uh, now, I'll tell you what I did see. I'm, I'm, I'm so late to this party that I'm really embarrassed to say. But I have found the one thing that I didn't think I could find, Matt. What is it? I found a comedy show. That actually had me laughing out loud. Really? But you don't like comedy. I know. What was it? Key and Peele. Okay. Yeah. Key and Peele are really good, man. Dude, that shit was funny. (laughs) It is funny. Like I was laughing out loud. Like, (laughs) holy crap. Dude, multiple times, not just once, multiple times. 
Well, well it was it was hilarious, bro. That's amazing. I, I, yeah, I didn't know that you were capable of the, the laugh out loud moments for yourself. I didn't know I was capable of it either. Look at it's, you. Look at you coming along. And so now I feel like a whole man. Well, good. I'm happy to hear this for you. <laughs> That is fantastic because there are some really good shows out there and there's some funny ones. There are some phenomenal dramas. There's a lot mm -hmm. of really good stuff. And then check this out. I'm so late to the party. I go, oh, you mean this is the dude who made the other movies, Us, and Get Out? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that? Why would I know it? I guess, remember? Yeah, why, why would you know it? That's true. That's very I just true. knew the name. I'd never seen him. I just okay. knew the name. All I'd right. never seen him. And then when I watched the show, I didn't really put two and two together at first. And then I go, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I, I, I would say that's fair. All right, good. I feel better now. I buy into, and I'm glad that you found it. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I've been watching lately and, and just trying to pick and choose what TV show do you want to get into next. We went through all of Love is Blind, which wrapped up last week. And, you know, that was interesting because that last season was filmed in Dallas and it's wild because one of the scenes in this this season's Love is Blind, they filmed them. They had several scenes that were right over there in the lake, the Las Colinas area, right by where we used to live in Irving. Right. And I right. thought that was interesting. But the other one, my brother's best friend from high school, his name is Billy Self, and he owns and operates the Sea Wolf, which is like a romantic dinner cruise catamaran out on Lake Ray Hubbard. Really? And in one of the episodes of this season, they're on the damn Seawolf. And I texted my brothers like, holy crap, you got to ask Billy if that's him, because they never showed who was steering the sailing boat. But I was like, it had to be Billy. Like, and so Chris was like, oh, I'm going to talk to him and we're going to figure out like, you know, what was that like? And how did that operate and stuff? He's like, I guarantee you it had to be him that was captaining the sailboat that especially like if Love is Blind calls and is like, hey, we need to book a private cruise for our TV show that we're shooting. Yeah, you so got to do that. Yeah, I, I recognized that immediately. I was like two seconds into the scene. I was like, oh, that's Lake Ray Hubbard right there. That's I-30, and that's the <laughs> Sea Wolf. <laughs> wow. I was like, that's cool. That? They went out to Rockwall for Love is Blind. Dude, how about that? Yeah, so, and you know, it's always nice when you watch those shows. Love is Blind is like my guilty pleasure. Like, I don't know why I let myself get into those shows, but we get into them, man. I tell you, if you if you go down the rabbit hole, one of those types of reality shows, you gotta, you're, you're in it till the end. Dude, that's because they're bizarre. And you're like, are people yeah. really like this? And yeah. you find out that, yes, they are. The, the weird-ass level of drama to the extent that some of these shows take it to is, it's impressive. So the other thing that I wanted to throw out here is we've been looking for new sponsors for a while. And if you have a business or know somebody that does, but it's gotten to a point, guys, look, if you are just independently wealthy and would like to help us out, we are trying to get some new equipment for Jacques that's going to be a little on the pricey end. So reach out to us, Matt at jamsessionpodcast.com. If you've got something you want to promote on the podcast, maybe we can figure something out. But and I know some of you have talked about some of the noises that happen and, and the distortion at times, and we're trying to figure that out as the podcast goes along. But we're just going to have to invest in some new equipment that is not inexpensive so point being if anybody out there is feeling like benevolent 
benevolent and would like to bless us with a gift, we will, I can promise you that it will be used directly for the purchase of new equipment to try and get this thing to sound a little bit better because man, we, we've been fighting through it today. I mean, your mic keeps dropping out. It keeps getting whatever. And we're trying to figure out what the hell the problem is. And so, you know, anytime you do a podcast like this with two people in different places, you're going to run into some things. But again, and look, if you do own a business and you would like to join our family of sponsors that we have and that have been so great for us and it's been such a wonderful partnership, you know, we're always looking to add to the team to, you know, help us and we help you and the jam session listening family. It's, it's, it goes hand in hand in hand. And I think we can all help each other in a sense. And that's my appeal to you. Please help me. Please, everyone. <laughs> you going to watch any of the World Cup? You know, I'm a soccer guy. So, yeah, I'm going to watch as much as I can. Like, even if the U.S. isn't playing, you'll stop down and watch it? Or is it just oh, you'll watch the U.S.? No, I don't even. Well, I don't want to be anti-American. I don't even care about the U.S. I mean, I'll watch the U.S. games, but I, I, I'm a soccer guy. I got you. Okay. So when African nations play, I watch yeah. them. When Paraguay plays, I watch them. I mean, I watch. I basically watch anybody who's playing. Okay, that, that's cool because, you know, I was trying to figure this out because the World Cup starts this Sunday. The first game is Sunday, November 20th, coming up this week against Qatar now, and Ecuador. Now, you know, the problem is my schedule is kind of weird right now. So yeah. I'm going to watch as much as I can. I'll probably tape a lot because I'm not the – although soccer is a little different, but I don't mind, you know, watching games later as I get them. But I, I just – it's uh, – when played properly, it's – a beautiful game. And this is what I mean. It's, I mean, they call it the beautiful game. Yeah. But it's like, to me, playoff hockey is a beautiful game. Regular season hockey, yeah, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Playoff hockey, that shit rocks. That's true. So World Cup soccer rocks. Because, unless Italy's playing, because they don't want to attack. But just about everybody else, it's attack, defend, attack, defend, attack, defend. Not play around with your, with your food yeah. for 20 minutes. And then, oh, okay, let's try to attack. Ah, didn't work. Let's play around with our food for another 20 minutes. So it's really high-level soccer. It's fun soccer. It's great soccer. And so, yeah, I love it. Yeah, so Monday is when the United States' first game comes around. On Monday, November 21st, it is the United States against Wales, and that is a 1 o'clock kick on Fox. And then the big one, of course, that everybody is looking forward to is the Friday after Thanksgiving – England against the United States for a one o'clock kick on Fox. And I, I, I think a lot of people are going to be into that. That's going to be a fun one to enjoy and really get into on that Friday after Thanksgiving. You know, and, and if you're a big college football fan, man, you've got Dallas Cowboys football on the Thursday of Thanksgiving. You got England, United States World Cup on Friday. And then you've got like the Iron Bowl. You've got Ohio State, Michigan on that Saturday of Thanksgiving. What a loaded sports weekend that's going to end up being. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be yeah. awesome. And, and I will. I do watch the World Cup, but I, I tend to only stop down for the United States games. Although, you know, I might put it on and check it out a little bit elsewhere. It's weird because it's in Cutter and it's the latest it's ever started because it goes, it starts November 20th and it goes for 29 days. But when right. they awarded it to this random ass country, Cutter, and all the, and I don't want to get into all the stuff behind this and the, in all the, I mean, there's so much politically behind this, but 
they had to put it this late in the year because apparently that region is so intensely hot and humid during the summer that this is the first time in the history of the World Cup that it has not been held in May, June, or July. Well, dude, how many kickbacks do you think were handed out for it to get to Qatar? I mean, again, a gazillion. <laughs> a million gazillion. Where it's it's, and, and it is what it is at this point. Obviously, it's going to be there. And I don't know how many of you have seen the pictures of, hey, stay in this basically tiny house. And it's like $300 a night for this crappy little hotel thing that they've put together. It's a really weird ass thing that they're doing here. Yes. Yes, it is. But we'll see. And, and then obviously this is the last tournament. That's the 32 team field. They're increasing to 48 teams for 2026. And that is the tournament that will be held in the United States, Mexico and Canada. And that's the one where there's a really damn good chance that AT&T Stadium might host the final. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm down for that. And I'll figure out a way to uh, to get there. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, as far as the Americans, I mean, I think it's fun to pull for them. They're not going to win. They're not going to make if they if they make the round of 16, it's a miracle, it seems like. And, and then they get their ass kicked. I mean, I was trying to think when didn't they have. Was it 2012 that they like made it to the final eight or was that 94? I think it was 2012. I don't think it was 94. Yeah, because in 94, I think, was the, was when they had gone to the, to the 16 and everybody was like all gung-ho about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but did you know that Did you know that at one point, and this, you got to go way back for this, their best finish ever is third? What was that, like 1920? 1930, they finished in third place, made it to the semifinals. <laughs> and then from 1954 to 1986, they didn't even qualify for it. And so, yeah, okay, it was 2002. So in 94, they made it to the round of 16. And in 2002, they made the quarterfinals and finished eighth. And then their last appearance in 2014, they made it to the round of 16 and finished in 15th and did not qualify for 2018, obviously. So we'll see. I mean, maybe there is some hope they could get to the round of 16 and make it to the elimination round. That'd be kind of cool. No, that'd be fantastic. That would uh, that'd give soccer quite a bit of boost in our country and it, i mean it's 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 going pretty well now but it'd be an even bigger boost it will be so we'll see how that turns out but the world cup getting going on sunday and again the americans get their first match underway on next monday but before we get into our conversation with todd archer let's remind everybody if we may that if you are having some of those foundation issues if you have noticed some cracks some sticking doors some of those things that could be a sign that your home is telling you hey dude got a little bit of a problem here you need to give Aaron and his crew a call at HFX Foundation Solutions they'll come out it's a free no obligation inspection and and maybe you do have a problem maybe you don't but if you do with your foundation which is why Jacques calls it a colonoscopy you have those things so that you can if you have a problem you catch it as early as possible so that you can solve it as easy as possible Dude, there's there's one reason you bring Aaron and his team out there, man. It's to check for sticking doors and cracks along the, the ceiling and all that kind of stuff, sticking windows, all that stuff you know. But what you really bring him out for is peace of mind because he's going to give your house the one-over, the once-over. And when he's done, even if they find something, chances are they find it early in the process. They fix it. You play a fraction of the cost, and if they find it late. So for the peace of mind, that's why I say give him a call, get that free consultation, and rock with it. 
It's easy to do, man. It is hfxfoundation.com online. Or if you'd like, you can obviously give them a call and schedule an appointment at 817-770-0174, HFX Foundation Solutions. All right, it is time. Let's check in, as we always do, with our ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter, Todd Archer, joining us. And Todd, you were in Green Bay. The Cowboys do what they've never done in the history of the franchise. 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. They somehow lose. Where, where does the finger-pointing begin? The run defense, right? I mean, you said begin. It doesn't end there, obviously, but it begins with you got to do something about the run defense. It's kind of ridiculous. Like, 240 yards against Chicago, 207 yards against Green Bay. And look, I realize Justin Fields is on a tear right now, and Jones and Dylan are good running backs, but, you know, this is the third time in the last 20 years that they've allowed 200 yards in back-to-back games. Now it's something that's happened in twice in the last three years because it happened in 2020 as well. And if they give up 200 yards this week, it'll be the first time since 1960 they've given up 200-yard rushing in three straight games, and they played Dalvin Cook, who had an 81-yard touchdown last week. So, to me, it's about their, their run defense. I mean, that sets everything up for everybody else. That allowed Rodgers to have time to throw play action, take the deep shots that he did to Watson, and it's a lot easier to play quarterback. As we know, when the Cowboys run the ball, well, it's a lot easier to play quarterback when your team can run it at ease. Uh, and, fellas, I'll be honest, like, I don't know what the fix is because they, they've got the players. that These are the guys. What is Dan Quinn? Now that, you know, the Cowboys took care of you, they, they, maybe they bumped up your money or whatever they've done to keep you. Figure it out, big boy. This is on you. <laughs> well, if we right? listen to Mike, no, well, if we listen to Michael Parsons from the other day, he's about gap integrity. You know, guys aren't, oh, aren't uh, controlling. Hey, man. Guys aren't controlling their gaps because they're either playing hero ball, trying to make a play themselves, or they're not good enough to handle their gap. And, I mean, even I could tell that they were losing containment on those sweeps the other day. And I don't know if that's the defensive end or the quarterback or who's responsible for it. But, you know, that's kind of basic fundamental defense and somebody's got to do it. Right. It's the defensive end. It's the safeties filling late. It's the corners not funneling everything back inside. Now, it is harder for the corners these days when – you got a 320-pound guard coming at you because you can't cut a guy anymore. So I don't know what I don't know what kind of edge Trayvon Diggs or Anthony Brown are supposed to set when they got to lock a they, they got to go after a, an offensive tackle. That's not going to happen. But again, it goes back to what I said. Figure it out, Dan Quinn. And I asked him the question: What you know, players have talked about accountability. We got to hold each other accountable. When is those one of those words turned into action and you start benching the guy? If a dude isn't keeping his gap integrity, take him off the field. He's out. He doesn't come back in. And then he realizes, damn, I better make sure I'm staying in my gap or I better make sure that I'm, if we're running this game, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Right? I mean, it, what else can they do? Like, they're not going to go add Russell Maryland in his prime here. They're not going to go and change their scheme from what they've been. They're a heavy nickel team. They go three safety looks. This is what they are. now. So now the, the, the last thread is, in my mind, you got to start taking guys off the field. And if, if Dorrance Armstrong isn't setting the edge or if the safeties aren't uh, getting outside and forcing things back inside, or if the linebacker, if Micah's getting blocked, hey, man, you got to keep every, treat everybody the same. If, no, if, he, if none of those guys are doing their job, you put them on the sideline and say, until you're going to do what you're supposed to do, you're not going back in. 
maybe that's cutting off your nose, the fight your face, whatever that saying is. But this is this is embarrassing run defense. This this is they're 29th in the league in run defense, 143 yards per game on the ground. They're 26th in yards per carry, 4.75 on the season. And oh, by the way, in six of their last eight games, they play uh, against running backs or in the top 10 in rushing. And what, that doesn't even include Jonathan Taylor, who led the league in rushing a year ago because he's only played in seven games. And oh, by the way, he had 147 yards against the Raiders. So you don't think these other teams are going to look at the Cowboys and say, let's just pour it down their throats and run at them. No, you're going to get it till you fix it. I mean, it's pretty clear about that. Yeah, so we'll see if they're able to fix it, Todd. I mean, I... I, I... The other question that I saw that McCarthy seemed to kind of allude to the idea that they thought Alan Lazard was the threat and they kept Trayvon Diggs on him. And for the most part, they were limiting Alan Lazard in the pass game. And they let a rookie wide receiver who hadn't done anything all season absolutely torch everybody else. But to his point, it seemed like there was some fairness once they lost Anthony Brown, even though one of those was on Anthony Brown. They just didn't have with Bland and Kelvin Joseph too too much youth not doing some of the right things and a lot of defensive mistakes against the pass, it sounded like. Right. And, you know, the, the fourth and seven touchdown that, that Deron Bland led up, I think it was fourth and seven. might have been fourth and six. But regardless, it, was, it wasn't fourth and short is probably a better way to say it. Right. Where's Javante pass rush, right? I mean, it's fourth and seven from the Cowboys, 39. Get home, pass rush. It's fourth down. Get after him. Like, you know, there was a lot of time for Aaron Rodgers to throw that ball. And, look, I, I don't – I guess I'm just not good at this to, like, say – like, I never came out of that game saying, huh, why didn't they put Trayvon Diggs on Christian Watson? Like, that never crossed my mind. Because you know what would have happened if they put Trayvon Diggs on Christian Watson? Then Alan Lazard would have gone off. So, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, this is what you thought. Like, you, you – there are two ways to look at it. And one thing I know the Patriots have done in the past when they've had their guys is they've put – their best corner, say it was Gilmore from a couple of years ago, on their number two receiver and not giving him help, and they've bracketed the team's number one. And, other, and teams do it that way, or you do it where the Cowboys did. You put your number one corner on a guy, and you bracket the number two guy. I, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I can break down all the coverages from that game and what they did, but, I mean, Lazard's game-winning catch Third, the 36-yarder came against Bland in the slot where Rodgers kind of changed things up quick and Bland flips. And, but the rest of the game, Lazard caught two passes for nine yards. So they seem to do a pretty good job on the guy who was their number one receiver. Um, and, you know, at, at some point you can't take everything away from an offense. You can't take everything away from Aaron Rodgers. It, and Watson certainly tried to take it away from him by dropping the first two balls to win his way. Um, but then the guy made three really key, huge plays in the game. But again, if you stop the run, things look a little different. Uh, you know, and if you, you know, I think we, was it week, oh, what week of the season is it? Week five, did we come up, you know, we started talking about nicknames for this defense and not giving up two touchdowns. <laughs> How about we just put that shit away and say, <laughs> no doubt, you know, why are we coming up with defense? Like, Again, none of us were around for Doomsday, even someone as old as Jacques. Well, I don't know when Doomsday came came up and around. Yeah, Jacques, that was a shot I just to catch you. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> but, like, why are we always trying to come up with nicknames for these guys? Like, you know when you come up with the nicknames? You win a Super Bowl. 
Like, were the triplets the triplets before they won a Super Bowl? No. Actually, that's a legitimate question. They probably weren't, right? No, I don't think so. All right. So let's put the nickname game away and not worry about all that stuff. Look, the, the original question, and shit, I'm rambling, was what was the number one thing? But we can talk about the offense and what's going on there, too, if we want. Because yeah, it's not like that's all hunky-dory either. What's up with your quarterback, man? He looked off all day to me. I mean, he had some good throws, but just in general, he just looked off all day. Yeah, McCarthy said early on that he thought he was in a hurry and his footwork was off that led him to – but then he make, made some really good throws. And I, You know, when people talk about Dak's inaccuracy, I'm, I'm usually like, you know, he's not inaccurate. Like, because when you see 67% of your passes or whatever it is for – for a season that he's um, completed, right? Like, you, you can't say he's inaccurate because that's, that's, that's a pretty good number. Now, I, I will say, like, there are times where he has passes. Like, I think it was before the, the, they got the fumble back after the, after the, fum, uh, after the punt there. Like, he, the third – yeah, here it is. The third and sixth throw to Noah Brown that gained three yards. He threw it at Noah's ankle. Like – and it was short in the first down, so you at least have to put it in a position where they allow him a chance to gain the three yards, right? right? And it, no one was going to get any yards after the catch on where that ball was. And then on the very next pass he throws is the over route to C.D. Lamb down the sideline for 30 yards. It was like that was the best throw he's made all season. And, like, just the disparity between that throw, those two throws makes you wonder, like, why can it be so – good and then so off not only within a quarter within a game within a play like that that's the confounding thing to me and I asked McCarthy about Dak's ball placement and, and he didn't he kind of defended Dak and didn't really want to go and and go there on any of that stuff so I I, I mean I understand it but yeah the, he he was off I don't understand third and ten you just you're up seven nothing, or maybe it's even third and goal on the, on the first interception. Dude, hit the goalpost. Don't even like just get your field goal and get out of there. It's ten nothing. The Packers lost five straight games, and you don't think they're going to be saying, "Here we go again." This done. This is done. Now six in a row. Like you know, may, maybe maybe not, but your odds of winning that game are a lot better when it's ten to nothing. And your quarterback had just fumbled on it after Demarcus Lawrence sack. I think the decision to make that throw, in my mind, was not what we've seen mostly out of Dak in his first however many years it's been now. But it's a decision that we've seen the last few weeks go to the Chicago game. He gets a little greedy on that throw down the middle. It might have been the same one that led to the second interception or a similar concept or similar route where he throws it to CD. And the tenor of that Chicago game changed with that interception right before halftime. So I, I don't know why I don't know why Dak is making some of the decisions that he's making. The second pick I'll, I'll put on CD. Everybody else is, so why not? But the first one I think is on him, regardless of the spacing between the two, just because time and score and what a – you got three points guaranteed. Like just just get your field goal and, and throw like I said, throw it off the goalpost. 
Do you see that as something because McCarthy explained that first pick and it seemed like he was putting it on the receivers as well, that Dak had to anticipate they were going to do the correct thing because it was an anticipation throw, I think is the word that he used. Do you see that yeah. as just they should not have called that type of play in that situation, knowing that if those guys, if it's not executed perfectly, Dak has to release it at a certain point that the Packers just made a play that the Cowboys shouldn't have put themselves in position for them to make perhaps. No, I don't say don't call it. I think you, you think that your quarterback who's in his seventh year and it started all these games would understand we got three points going up here. I don't need to make an anticipation throw. If there's any question about where everybody is, then, then again, throw it off the goalpost. Like, so, I, you know, I, I think there are times where, and, and, and that kind of said it in the, I think it was a Chicago game, might have been Detroit. I don't yeah, I can't remember. That He's feeling a little confident he, he's going to make those types he, of throws. Right. I, I don't know. That's a, there, there's a difference. This is Parcells. There's a difference between indiscriminate throws and confident throws in, in some respects. Like when I watch Quinn Ewers play in Texas, I'm like, man, he's got a lot of indiscriminate throws, not confidence throws. Um, and it, there's a fine line between what those things are. And Dak, I think, is leaning, you know, that, that, that pendulum is edging towards indiscriminate at times as opposed to confidence. And again, time and score and where, where you are in the game and what's left and what, you know, points on the board, all that stuff. I don't put it on the play call. I put it on the, the quarterback should know better at this point. Am I wrong? No, because all that is interesting. Cause you know, throughout his career, he's been so protective of the ball. Right. The ball. Exactly. So, so like, what are you doing, bro? I mean, you're one of the reasons, and I, I'm a, I'm a Dak guy, but you're one of the reasons Des Bryant's out the league because you wouldn't co- throw it to him because he's covered. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really get this right now. Uh, but I do know this. He needs to solve it quickly because he ain't – he's not playing at the level that they need him to play it. And, I'm, and it's been, you know, I don't know. It's been inconsistent. I think that's the best word for it. It's been a calendar year, if we're being honest. Like, I know we can look back at the, you know, he ended last year against Philly with five touchdown passes, but the Eagles were throwing the JV team out there. And two weeks, they put 50 on Washington and all that stuff. Um, We've not – the DAC that started the 2021 season, is where's that guy? Right? I mean, that that was the guy like, ooh, he's MVP. Like, that, that's the guy that I think you're kind of expecting to see. And now we're, we're I guess, 54 weeks removed from that, now looking at when that was. But, um, you know, I, and it, I, I sound like a fool when I say this because his last three games last year, he threw 12 touchdowns and no picks. But, again, I think that context does matter when it was an awful Washington team and it was a Philadelphia team that was resting for the playoffs. So you kind of have to, you know, put that – you have to put that out there. That And and look, I realize it still takes skill to do what he did. I'm not trying to denigrate any of that, but the Cowboys need the Dak from the first six games of last season to show up, not the Dak that we've seen in the first four games he's played this season. If if they want to be truly a special team, and they can be, because we saw what happened last night Mm -hmm. with, with Washington beating Philadelphia. It's, it's there for anybody in the NFC, whether you're playing all your games at home in the postseason or you have to go on the road. Like, it's there for anybody to win this conference. 
So as they get set to move forward, their second consecutive road game, they're going on the road. It's an eight and one Minnesota team. As you pointed out, they've got Dalvin Cook, who if anybody can run all over the cow, the Cowboys, Dalvin Cook's one of the best running backs in the league. How do you see this thing going on Sunday? Uh, I would first thought you were going to ask about Justin Jefferson before he went and shoot down. <laughs> okay, Cook. Justin uh, Jefferson, either uh, one of them. <laughs> Pick your poison. Uh, just because of what he did last week against Josh Bills. Um, but, yeah, this it, it's funny. Like, you can look at Minnesota's 8-1 and one start and think, whew, man, these guys, they're rolling. But then you also look at how they how they've won some of these games or – the score of some of these games at the very least, and you're like, huh, four-point win against the Lions, three-point win against the Saints to beat the Bears by a touchdown, the Dolphins by eight, the Cardinals by eight, the Washington, I must have said the R word, by, by three. Um, so I'm not saying they're getting by by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin, but it's not like they're blowing people away like Kansas City seems to be blowing folks away. But you win at Buffalo – you know, and how you want it. I mean, you can either, you can look at that two ways of divine intervention because who the hell fumbles on their own goal line and just trying to run out the clock. Maybe it should have taken a safety in that situation and then just punted. But, um, or, or you look at it as like, man, they're on borrowed time. And like, I don't think the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys can go in there and win. Like, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they, that they go and, and, and do that up there because guess what? They won there last year with their backup quarterback playing. So, I mean, it again, this is why, like, I think anybody is beatable in this conference, despite what Philadelphia's record said before last night, um, despite what you might have felt about the Cowboys before they went into Green Bay. Um, look, the Giants have the third best record, I guess, in the NFC. If the Cowboys – what when they play on Thanksgiving? Well, I guess if the Cowboys lose them, Minnesota will be a little different. Regardless of what happens against Minnesota, the Cowboys are going to be favored by a touchdown, six points. Yeah, in that game against New York, and New York seven and two. Like, well, how the Cowboys are favored this week still? Or is it still that line changed? I don't know if it has or not, but I, I believe they are. Yes, I know they opened up as a favorite. Yeah, they I did. don't know yeah. where it stands right now, but I mean. So, again, they can go in there and win because they won there a year ago. I mean, and shoot, didn't they win there? Did they win there in the third straight year they played there? Wasn't they, didn't they go up there for the – wasn't that the watermelon? Yeah. Remember the watermelon game where uh, McCarthy brought out the watermelon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Meeting, yeah, uh, yeah. Or the Saturday night meeting. <laughs> hey, so, I remember that. Shoot, they've won there each of the last two years. Yeah, right, yeah. So and, and, who cares about going to the Twin Cities? Mark down a dub, says Arch. Oh, I didn't say that. Well, <laughs> hey, they're fa- you're right. They're still fa- they're favored by one point. The Cowboys are one point favored on the road. Okay, really? So there you go. Yeah. So there you have it. Wow. I, you know. Okay. Do you look at with well, again what happened last night? Right. You say, ah, the Cowboys blew it against Green Bay because they would be a game closer, and you know they got the rematch with the Eagles on Thanksgiving and say, geez, what a missed opportunity? Or do you look at it from what we just talked about, that this is this is wide open and anybody can win this? I guess it depends on what perspective you want to have on it, but, you know. I think it's wide it's, open and anybody can it's win It's wide this. open and anybody can win it. Just get in the playoffs. 
Who gets hot? I, I think any time, you know, we've used that line before, right? It's like, who scares you? And that's kind of when you try to convince yourself that there's not a team on the on the schedule that can kind of scare you. But I think this year you actually kind of mean it a little bit. And, and excuse me, and guess what? No, the Cowboys don't scare anybody either. Like, do you think if San Francisco has to play them in the game, in, in the playoffs, they're going to go, oh, crap, don't want to play Dallas? No, I mean, everybody's going to – you think if the Cowboys play Tampa in the playoffs, everybody's going to – all of a sudden they're going to say – well, Tom Brady's due to lose. No, everybody's going to say Tom Brady in the playoffs? Yeah, Tampa's going to win that game. Like, the only one I think you'd go in thinking, all right, Cowboys will win that first-round matchup if they have to go on the road to be at Seattle, simply because Geno Smith hasn't done this before. So, I, yeah, it's, kind of, it's, it's still eight games left. Who knows? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It, it is. <laughs> It is unbelievable, but you're right. I think it is anybody's, and and I mean, you look at the, it, it to me, if you make you can make a case that the seven seed wins the Super Bowl as easily as you can make a case that whoever ends up as the one seed can get to the Super Bowl out of the NFC this year. I, I don't, I have no idea who it's going to wind up being, and that's what the NFL I, wants. I was, and my math might not be totally right, but I wanted to look this up because of the whole wild card route, and I, I just did it quick. So to, to get to the Super Bowl, if you're the wild card. Basically, you'll have to win three playoff games on the road, right? Unless somehow you're the fifth seed and the sixth or seventh seed gets there to the NFC title game. But more likely than not, you're going to have to win all three on the road. Do you realize the last it's the, the the Cowboys' last three playoff wins? Do you realize when those were road last playoff three wins? Playoff wins. So the last three playoff road wins for the Cowboys. Uh, let me think. Uh... Man, you got to go. Matt, what year were you born? <laughs> I was born in the in the 70s. Well, they okay. beat the Rams 28 Matt, Matt to nothing. Matt has been alive. Yeah, I remember. Matt has been alive yes. for these three playoff wins. So let me put it All that right. way. They, they beat the Rams 28 to nothing. What year was that? Uh, 1977, I think. Well, you don't know. You don't have to no, go I wasn't alive for that one. You don't have to go back that far. Go, go on you reverse order here, Doc. You hey, I'm only thinking of the ones I can think of. I'm trying to think there was oh, one. They beat, they, beat, they beat San Francisco in, in, in the 92 championship right. game. Okay. In the 1992 NFC championship game. That's their last road playoff win. Oh, my game. God. That's the last time they won a road playoff game was 1992? Yeah. Holy crap. My God, that is stunning. Yeah, I, I, I'm holy. I couldn't even remember the other two then. That, that must be when I was like a little baby. No, nah, maybe uh, they no. beat. Uh, maybe they. Uh, let me see. In the '80s, what did they do? Oh, the year if before. The, the year before, didn't they win? They won on the road in Chicago, Chicago, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep, yeah. Yeah. 1991. Yeah. That was Bill Bates' interception. Yeah. God. Keeper line started right. Man, who would the other one be? The other one had to be like when they were good in the early '80s or the late '70s, and I would have no recollection of that. They probably they probably lost in '85 on the road somewhere. So what? 1980, is it they beat the Atlanta Falcons in the divisional round of the playoffs. 28-27, Drew Pearson, <laughs> two touchdowns in the final two. 30-27, but yeah, I don't, well, I'll take your word on Drew, but yeah, <laughs> that is insane. They lost to the Eagles in the NFC title game. That is nuts. So basically what you're telling so us gonna, is don't so book we're it. We're thinking, we're thinking they're going to win three playoff games when they've not won three, three playoff games in the last 42 years on the road. <laughs> That's amazing. That, I mean, that is, I mean, just the fact they haven't won a road playoff game since 1992 is incredible. Yeah. 
Wow. Well, so much for this season. <laughs> Glad I could bring some positivity to the, to the room. I mean, it's going to go how I kind of figured it would. They'd make the playoffs and lose on the road in the first round. I didn't even realize it'd been that long, but that was kind of where I thought this thing was headed. I mean, to me, if, if, if they can't figure out the run defense problem, you, you don't last long in the playoffs if you can't stop the run. I mean, that You're one and done. So uh, I, I, I'm writing this tomorrow for ESPN.com. The last 10 Super Bowl champions. There have been two defenses that have had run units ranked outside the top 11 in the league that have won the Super Bowl. Kansas City in 2019, mm-hmm. and surprisingly, the Ravens in 2012. Those teams are 26th and 20th uh, in, um, in run defense those years. There's only been two defenses in the last 10 years that have, that have won a Super Bowl and allowed more than four yards per carry, the Chiefs in 2019 and, and the Patriots in 2018. So you're looking at a team that is allowing 143 yards per game on the ground and is 29th in run defense and allowing 4.75 yards per carry, which is 26th in the league. In order for that number to jump up so much, they would have to be the 85 Bears in the next eight games. And again, six of their next eight games are against running backs currently in the top 10 in rushing. So good luck with all that. Good luck to you. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess go ahead and make plans for the weekend before Valentine's Day because you won't be watching the Cowboys. <laughs> is that when the Super Bowl it is? Yeah. Whew. Yeah. It's uh, February 12th, I think it is. is that February 12th. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Before your birthday, Matt. Yeah. That's how that's how I remember that a couple days before. So there you go. All right. Todd Archer, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for spreading the joy. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, awesome. All right, there he is. That is our ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter, Todd Archer. I got to tell you, dude, when he said, when he threw that out there, you know, in the fact that they have not won a road playoff game since 1992, I, I don't know why, but I'm looking at it now. I just pulled this up. You can go back since then. Let's see. They lost the NFC Championship in 94 at San Francisco, 96 at Carolina, 99 at the Vikings, 2003 at at Carolina, 2006 at Seattle, 2009 at Minnesota, 2014 at Green Bay, and then, of course, a couple of years ago at Los Angeles. I don't, wow. I don't know how to wrap my mind around that. Bro, it's a bunch of... uh... Some of it is bad luck, like, you know, the catch that should have been a catch that wasn't a catch, the drop snap. And then some of it has just been ass kickings, like Minnesota game was, uh, you know. So, I mean, they've had they've had a – you know what, man? If we're just going to be honest with it, you know, this franchise has really been about missed opportunities since 1995. They've had a lot of really, really, really good teams, outstanding teams, teams that were Super Bowl worthy. And they used to be a franchise with Captain Comeback and Roger Starback to find ways to win. And now they kind of like find ways to lose in, in those types of uh, high-pressure playoff games. I That just blows me away. They are 0-8 in their last eight road playoff games. Yeah, bro. And it's it's very likely that they're going to have to go on the road. And, and so can you even win a now, game on the road? Yeah, they can. And here's why. All those teams were built how? They were built offensively. Now, yes, the run defense is jacked up right now. But they're a team that's built on defense and special teams. That typically travels, and you can win with that. 
you can't win with a defense that's this 29th against the run, but you can win with elite defense. Uh, we've seen it earlier. We just need to see it again. Incredible, man. It's I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And and again, you think about all you got to do is get into the playoffs and you got a shot. All you got, I mean, go look at the Rams last year. They won a, the divisional round on the road by three points. They won the NFC title game by three points. They won the Super Bowl by three points. I mean, it, that's how close the league is when you start getting into the, when you talk about the top seven teams in each conference, you know, right. the, the Bengals, same thing. They won a home playoff game by seven. They went on the road, beat Tennessee by three. They went on the road, beat the Chiefs in overtime by three, lost the Super Bowl by three. All these teams, when you're in the playoffs, those top seven, they're so close to each other. And, and that's the thing. I mean, just get into the playoffs and you got a shot. Yeah, you got a shot. Um, you got a real shot because you're there at the table with a chance to roll the dice and see what happens. Uh, but you got to get there. And I, I still think they're going to get there. Um, Dan Quinn's a good coach. And I, I was talking to somebody about this today, man, which is this. Okay. They know their run defense sucks, okay? They know Dalvin Cook is a terrific running back. They know Minnesota's going to attempt to run the ball. So in my way of thinking, and this is just your boy now, you will get the best they have to offer this week because they know what's up. It's going to be a point of emphasis all week, and they know what's up. And so you'll either see a team that comes out and handles their business, or they'll get run on again. You'll be like, they really can't fix it because they spent all week addressing the issue, and it can't be fixed. No, we'll see if they get it right because our next podcast, we will be diving into the Minnesota Vikings in this matchup. Who's going to win and why? We will have that for you. All our thoughts as the Cowboys try and rebound to get to seven and three before really, if, if you can get past the Minnesota Vikings and you can pick up a win here, the way that the schedule lays out for them after that is quite favorable with the obviously the Giants on home for Thanksgiving and then the Colts and the Texans at home, followed by the Jags. I mean, you've got a chance here to get a little streak going. But you got to get past Minnesota before you have any of those other games coming your way. So we will talk to you again coming up on Friday. Enjoy the next couple of days. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.